calling all aspiring investment professionals. Get a leg up on the competition. Final registration for the August CFA exam ends on May 14th. Register now to secure your spot. The CFA designation is a gold standard in the investment world, opening doors to high-powered careers and impressive salaries. Head over to cfainstitute.org to register. Don't wait. Take control of your finance career today. Hello, welcome to another edition of Take 15. Today, we're here live at the uh, 71st CFA Institute Annual Conference. My name is Larry Tao. I'm a content director at CFA Institute. Today, I have Kate Darling with me, and Kate is a researcher in the, in the MIT Media Lab, and she investigates the legal and social issues in human-robotic interactions uh, at the MIT Media Lab. She's also a fellow at the Harvard Berkman Klein Center for Internet and Security. She has co-taught a robot, a robot ethics course at Harvard Law School. Welcome, Kate. Thanks for having me. So uh, thank you very much for joining us, uh, Kate. And, and robot ethics, that sounds like a fascinating topic. Uh, <laughs> tell us a bit more about it. Oh, it is fascinating. I know it sounds very science fiction-y, but really robot ethics is about looking at the kind of the near-term ethical implications of adopting robotic technology in mm -hmm. society. So some examples of issues in robot ethics are right. responsibility for harm, mm -hmm. privacy and data security, or the social aspects of using robots as a replacement or a supplement for people. And I'm personally most interested in how interacting with very lifelike technology can influence people's behavior. Fascinating. Before we get into all that, I think we, uh, we hear a lot of talk about AI these days, cloud computing and all these different technologies. And how are these related to, to robots and how are they different? They, so they are related, but robots generally refers to the physical technology, the physical machinery. So robots can have AI integrated in them, they can be connected to cloud computing, but they're the physical manifestation of these technologies. Wonderful. So, so let's get into the, the social aspect of robot ethics. Uh, I, I think people are, we have this natural tendency to, to make robot human-like. So we give them a head, we give them arms and legs and everything, even though we don't necessarily need to. And, and because of that, then we kind of develop emotional attachments with robots. So what are some of the, the, the good things and bad things that can come out of that emotional attachment? Yeah, it's true. So we, we very much design robots in our own image, mm -hmm. um, or, or like, like, a, like living things. We're kind of primed by science fiction and pop culture to want to do that, but also, People are biologically primed to treat robots like they're alive, even right. though they know that they're just machines, because there's something about the physicality and the movement that people very much respond to that are, tricks our brains. Right. And so this is, this is an interesting effect, and people who design robots have become aware of this effect, and mm -hmm. so they can enhance people projecting themselves onto robots. Right. And there are some really cool applications for this, actually. Uh, we're seeing in health and education, we're seeing mm -hmm. some interesting applications with working with children, autistic children, for right. example, or working in health contexts with um, dementia patients, using mm -hmm. robots as a replacement for animal therapy, using robots as teaching assistants. Lots of really cool cases. And then there are some, some problem areas where, uh, for example, 
soldiers will become very attached to the robots that they work with in the military right. and that can be problematic because you don't want people hesitating to use the robots the way that they're intended to be used which is as tools right. you don't want them treating them like animals because that can be anything from inefficient to dangerous so that's where you want to make the robots less human-like in a way that's where you want to try but it's very difficult <laughs> because like I said we tend to anthropomorphize mm -hmm. anything that is physical right. and moves so uh, one other question that, that came out of our uh, uh, fintech interest group, and we, we you know we talk about uh, the, these different issues. They said you know that it's, once you have this emotional attachment to robots, how is this going to play out? Because we always feel like oh we're going to spend three or four days at this conference, and then we go home, we, we feel guilty when we spend some quality time with our family. <laughs> and and if people develop these attachments with robots. You know, will they feel similarly? Will they develop this guilty feeling towards robots? Say, oh, I'm going spending so much time at home. I'm not spending enough time in the office with my robots. Well, <laughs> when we think about robots, we're often comparing them to humans mm -hmm. in that way. And I wonder if it might make more sense to compare them to animals mm -hmm. or pets. Right. Because we're very interesting creatures. We can develop relationships to all different types of things and other mm -hmm. entities. And people might think it's weird if you you know if you spend time with a robot instead of a human but people don't think it's weird if you spend time with a dog instead mm -hmm. of a human that's right so perhaps that's a better analogy to think about how they can fit into our relationships fascinating so i think one particular uh, interesting case that, that you mentioned before was this uh, you know kicking the dog and people getting uh, upset emotionally by seeing people kicking this uh, boston dynamics dog right and I think it's uh, in the news now, Boston Dynamics has come up with even fancier versions of the robots, even more human-like. So I think this is uh, going to be becoming uh, even more sort of sensitive issue now, is how do you interact with the different uh, robots and et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely, yeah, there's a lot of design out there that really enhances this, and Boston Dynamics especially has these right. very biologically inspired robots that mm -hmm. people tend to treat like they're alive. Right, and we have a robot here, right, actually in the background that you oh, can actually interact with, you can talk to. Haven't seen yeah. it yet, I have <laughs> to go right. visit yeah. it. <laughs> there are different things that you can, they, they will do, they'll shake hands, they'll, they'll suggest taking a selfie with you and oh. all sorts of different things. <laughs> so I think one other interesting aspect you've, you've written and published on is about legal protection of robots. So I think that's sort of a, a very interesting thing is to, to think even in today where we're thinking about really protecting robots really from a legal perspective. Maybe you can share more of your perspective on yeah, that. Yeah, so it's, it's really a little bit provocative because <laughs> I don't think that robots are anywhere close to deserving rights or having any sort of emotions. Mm -hmm. uh, but I have wondered whether our interactions with the robots if, for example, you're very violent towards a robotic object, could right. that desensitize you to being violent in other mm. contexts? So if right. you kick a robot dog or if your child kicks a robot dog, mm -hmm. could they learn a habit that makes them more likely to kick a real dog? Absolutely. And we just don't know, but if that's the case, yeah. then that might be a reason to restrict what people can and can't do right. with certain robotic objects. Mm. And we could, we could see kind of a, a likeness to animal protection laws in that right. sense, but not protecting for the sake of the robot, right. but protecting for the sake of society and ourselves. That, that is fascinating. Really protecting robots uh, is not protecting robots. It's about protecting yeah. our own feelings and make sure we're all psychologically fit to, to treat other humans and animals 
appropriately. So that exactly. so through our or uh, human interact interactions with robots, etc. So I think uh, one other uh, issue that people have a lot of concerns about today in the uh, investment business is uh, all these programs are becoming more and more sort of more intelligent. So they can do and, and a lot more. They can carry out a lot of the functions that our analysts do, portfolio managers do. How do you see this play out? So how do this robot, you know, and and human interaction? How do you think this will affect the investment business down the road? Well, the way that automation is going to affect all sorts of job markets is still unclear.、Mm -hmm. um, I think that the the actual promise of the technology is not in replacing people and、mm -hmm. recreating skills that we already have. I、right. think that the true promise is in trying to make people better able to do their their jobs.、Mm -hmm. um, but of course. You know, we live in a capitalist、uh, society,、right. and you know there there are certain ways where it might be more cost efficient to use machines, even if、right. they're not as good as people, or even if it might be better to use them as supplements. So、Absolutely. it's it'll be interesting to see how it plays out, and I think it will very much depend on the individual、Absolutely. industry. So, so we talk about this AI plus HI models, so artificial intelligence plus human intelligence. Yeah, is we're not. In general, we think we're not against other robots for AI programs. It's us and our robots versus other people versus and their robots.、Uh -huh. So our team against their team in a way.、Uh -huh. I guess. So it's kind of a a different uh, different uh, setup. So、uh, I think one one possible way people have been talking about using robots in the investment business is potentially, I would think, in in the、uh, robo advisor business. As of now, robo advisor is not really robotic. It's actually all artificial intelligence. You see it on the screen. But I'm just thinking, since advisor advisories are, you know, there's there's so much of this handholding involved, other than just giving investment advice,、mm -hmm. they may actually want to make them more more human-like, more using human robots and to carry out these roles. So that may actually give、uh, give a financial advisor more of a run for their money. So as of now, I don't think that's challenging them. This business is because the handholding is all done by humans. Yeah, it's actually very difficult to design a robot that is good at handholding、mm -hmm. right now because it's it's hard to get that that fine line between、mm. something that is annoying like Microsoft Clippy and、right. something that is actually responding、right. in the perfect way. Right.、Um, and and also if. If if we're talking about artificial intelligence that uses you know human language processing, there、mm -hmm. are still a lot of limitations. So I think that we're we're still you know to some extent not quite know, there yet. Not quite、right. there yet,、mm -hmm. but certainly moving in that direction. Interesting. So a、uh, last question.、Uh, I think we always ask、uh, our experts about their career.、Uh, so it's been fascinating for our members and the young professionals to understand you know, how have you. Uh, you know, acquire the skills and develop the, the different uh, uh, skills needed for this current role. If you come from a legal background, you've studied economics, and now you actually have this,、uh, you, you know, a lot of uh, uh, interest and research. You've done a lot of research in this robot ethics field, which is an entirely new field. So maybe help us understand the process. Is how do you actually develop these skills in a new field and become an expert in a new business? Well, I think it's it's difficult. Well, 
all of the interesting questions right now, if you ask mm -hmm. me, are, are in interdisciplinary fields. Mm -hmm. I think that you know the convergence of disciplines is mm -hmm. where really the the important research questions are, mm -hmm. and the challenge there is that you're often shoehorned into one discipline and all of your mentors and advisors say, oh no, you need to become an expert in one thing Absolutely. and you can't do two things. Mm -hmm. And so I think my, my main advice is to not listen to people and to, <laughs> and to do, pursue the interesting questions. Right. Um, even, even though people might say, oh, that's interesting, but it's not a good career move because Otherwise, you'll, I mean, if you just focus on what's a good career move, you'll end up doing the same thing that everyone else is doing. Fascinating. Well, thank you so much for our time, Kate. Oh, thank you. And thank you all for tuning in. Copyright 2018, CFA Institute, all rights reserved. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regards to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.